on Facebook and uh, welcome to you as well. And just wanted to let you know uh, that next week we'll be starting a new series called Jesus Said What? Jesus Said What? You know, there is a version of Christianity that we have and it sometimes comes from ideas about Jesus that are not exactly true ideas. And um, so I want to, to do a little look at this before we get into Easter and talk about some of the most outrageous things that Jesus said that have an impact on our lives today. You know, the, the, your version of Jesus is going to be your version of Christianity. And if you've got a Jesus that's created out of popular culture or created out of some ideas that you may have learned as a little kid that don't necessarily have their foundation in the Bible, then you've got a Christianity that's off-center as well. Uh, and Jesus said some pretty outrageous things, and we are going to begin that next week, and that'll run right up uh, into Easter weekend, okay? Jesus said what? Uh, but today, we're going to wind up our series called Follow, and this was a four-week series. The amount of um, comments that I got on this series, received on this series, in particular, the advertisement on Facebook was really stunning. So we had uh, some, some real strong feedback from an atheist, a nihilist, a Satanist. Um, who, they were all quite irate uh, that this ad showed up on their, on their feeds and uh, very upset. Uh, but uh, they commented and I commented back and I have sent a number of you the link so that you can read it. Uh, but the basic idea of follow is that you need to be in a relationship with Jesus. And in the first week, we answered the question or tried to, uh, what is a Christian? Does that mean you're baptized? Does that mean you wear a cross? Does that mean you go to church? Does that mean you like Mike Pence and Donald Trump? Does that mean you're a good person? Does that mean you're born in a Christian family? Does that mean you're Catholic? Does that mean you're Protestant? Does that mean you're anti-LGBTQ? Does that mean you're anti-abortion and anti-euthanasia? You don't drink or smoke or cuss or live together? Like, what is a Christian? And all those things are just things. Ultimately, a Christian, first and foremost, is a follower of Jesus, a student, a learner, a disciple of Jesus. All that other stuff is just stuff in the end. And in that first message, I even read the tenets of the uh, contemporary satanic temple. Uh, because they were sent to me by one of the people who commented on our ad. And it's quite interesting how a modern-day Satanist, even their views of religion can be sometimes suspiciously similar to people who attend church. And they think, well, you just do these things, and if you do these things, you're going to be okay, and it's about you, and it's about your work, and it's about what you do for God. And for them, they are little gods, and but it's what they do for themselves. And sometimes we can be very, very similar when we turn Christianity into a list of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations. I love this, and I hate this, and therefore I must be a Christian. That's not true. A Christian is first and foremost a follower, a follower 
of Jesus. That implies a relationship. Jesus uses several images in the scripture, vine and branches, father and child, shepherd and sheep. To try and illustrate this, we talked about how religion means you change yourself, clean up yourself, and you can follow Jesus. And churches around the world are filled with that view where you, you're accepted here when you clean yourself up and then you're okay. Then you're one of us, then you're part of the church because you have, you have changed yourself and you have turned from your, your lifestyle and your sin and you're this and you're that and now you're one of us and now you're part of the church and now you're a Christian. When really, if you inspect the gospels and you look at the New Testament, it's kind of the reverse. You come to Jesus as you are, with your doubt and with your, your sin and with your problems and with your lifestyle and with your this and your that, and you come to Jesus as you are, and he begins a process of transformation from the inside out. That's the difference, and that's what it means to be a Christian, and we ended that with how you can begin an authentic relationship with Christ, and you can't just, you can't just, uh, sort of pretend uh, that you have a relationship with Jesus. You have, you have to actually have one. And if he is indeed alive and well today, well then you can take him up on his offer and ask him to come into your life personally as if, as if you're talking to a person. So the passage in 1 John, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life black or white in the, in the mind of John who wrote that. Uh, the following week we talked about why the church in the 21st century, <laughs> this seems like a real archaic idea, it seems like something that's hundreds, thousands of years old. Uh, I mean, you know, aren't we a little sophisticated now? Why do we need to, to actually go to church? And we talked about four reasons why you need to be part of a church. Number one, that you have relationships with one another. Number two, that those relationships are authentic and they're real and they're genuine and uh, they're not phony or, um, or uh, uh, made up. They're not um, uh, hypocritical. They're not an act. They're not a put on. They're authentic. And when you find that in the church, you find something extremely powerful. We talked about encouragement and accountability and all of these things are part of a strong church experience. And it's difficult to have that when you don't want to be around people or when you might isolate yourself. And there are people today and they're, you know, professing followers of Jesus. They've got no church community. They've got no church home. They've got no relationships with other Christians. And they're trying to do the whole thing by themselves. And that's a really, really difficult endeavor. Uh, Christianity was not ever meant to be that way. It's meant to be experienced in community. Jesus said, I will build my church, my ecclesia, the group of people, the meeting of people, and the gates of Hades shall not even prevail against it. Last week, our intern Gavin Petter did a terrific job talking about the cost. What will it cost me to be a Christian? Well, technically nothing and everything. So there's absolutely nothing that you can do to impress God that God will save you. You, you can't you know, pay your taxes enough. You can't walk enough old ladies across the street. You can't be faithful enough to your spouse. And now God will accept me. Now I've done, I've cleaned up my act and now God will accept me. And you cannot do 
anything to obtain a right standing with God. He offers it to you through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. You have to receive it. But there's nothing that you can do to earn it. On the other hand, the ramifications of you becoming a Christian, it costs you everything because you have to determine who am I worshiping, who have I been worshiping, what I ha- have I been worshiping in the place of God. Because now I am displacing those things and putting God on the throne of my soul. You want to know what you worship? Ask yourself the question, where do I put my time? Where do I put my talent? And where do I put my treasure? That is what you are worshiping. And don't give me this business of I'm an atheist. Even an atheist worships something. Okay, so uh, you determine what that is. And then if you decide to follow Christ, the implication is, uh uh-oh, now all those things have to be put aside and Jesus has to become front and center in my heart. And that has tremendous implications. Jesus told a little story about a guy who wants to build a, a tower. And he says, doesn't, doesn't the, the person sit down and determine how much it's going to cost him to, to build this tower? I mean, doesn't he play the tape forward and realize if he doesn't have enough money when he's building this tower, then, then everybody's going to laugh at him because he's going to dig the foundation. And, Uh-oh, I ran out of money. And he'll be like a laughing stock. Don't you play the tape forward when you want to serve me? If you want to serve me, Jesus actually said something horrendous. He said, you've got to hate your mother and your father and your, all your close relationships. It's got to be like hatred if you want to serve me. So comparatively speaking, I've got to be first and foremost. And your relationships with other people have to be like hatred compared to your love for me. So it costs you nothing, but it costs you everything if you want to indeed be a Christian. And today we're going to talk about something maybe a little bit lighter, but something that has tremendous implications for your life, your spiritual gifts. So God put you on planet earth for a reason. You are not a meaningless mass of molecules that have been put here by time and chance and you just sort of, you're you're here and when it's over, it's over. No, God put you here for a specific purpose, for a specific plan and a specific reason and it is incredibly specific. And what God has done to try and help you understand that is he has given you gifts. Some of those gifts are natural, i.e. they're hardwired into you. They're part of his thumbprint on your life. Whatever you believe, irrespective of that, you may be an atheist in this room or watching, doesn't matter. God has put his thumbprint on your life and he has hardwired you with certain abilities, talents, and natural gifts. Yes, gifts, I say gifts because I'm implying that God actually gave them to you, okay? And those of you who are, who are Christ followers in this room, God has given you also spiritual gifts. That may be a kind of a amplification of what you were designed with, or it may be something totally, totally new. Uh, but God has given you these gifts to try and help you to understand that you are here for a reason. 
And you may not think that. You may think yourself to be very, very insignificant and very untalented and very non-gifted. But that is not true if you go by what the Bible says. God has showered gifts upon people. And again, uh, sometimes those gifts are irrespective of religious belief. Some of the most hardened atheists in the world are incredibly talented and incredibly gifted. And some of us sit and wonder as we hear them speak, and we say, wow, they, they, they speak, they're an atheist, and they're, they seem to be so gifted as an atheist. Where did that gift come from? Did it come from time and chance and, you know, meaningless naturalism? Or maybe it came from a God who actually imprinted those gifts on that person's life. So I'm going to go by what the, what the Bible says and give the Bible the benefit of the doubt today and talk to you about your spiritual gifts. And you're actually going to do a little survey in this service to see what those gifts are. And I guarantee you one thing. There's not one single person in this room who's only got one gift. I'm going to go through one list in the Bible's New Testament, just one. And there are several lists. I'm just going to go through one list. And you will see that most of you in this room have between two and seven gifts that are listed in this list that I'm going to go through. And you don't have to do the little quiz today. You can take it home and do it at home if you like. We have it on our website at the homepage. If you go to citypointchurch.ca and you'll click a little link there, you can get that survey as well. But I've done this with people, I think, 30 plus times. And I have never met one single person who has one gift, not one. So maybe you'll prove me wrong today. Maybe you won't. But uh, if I were a betting man, I'd put some money down uh, it being tax time, you know, maybe you could put a little extra in the plate or something. Anyway, so uh, from the book of Romans, uh, chapter 12 and verses 1 to 8, okay, in the Bible's New Testament, just read a little passage uh, with me. If you're brand new to the Bible, uh, I highly recommend a free app called YouVersion uh, that you can download any Bible, any language, tremendous resource that helps to explain what the Bible is. There's all kinds of video material there that anybody who's brand new to the Bible can start to pick it up and start to understand it for themselves. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 to 8. This is Paul's letter to the church in first century Rome. He is picking up, I'm picking up on a um, rather long argument that he's making for the grace of God in people's lives. Grace being God gives you something and you cannot earn it. And he's talking about that whole idea of grace. And he says, therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Uh, I did a, uh, a message uh, called Detox or a sermon series called Detox where we break this passage down a little bit. You can go and find it uh, online, our website or our Facebook page. It'll be there. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here we go. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, every one of you, without exception, every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. 
In other words, he's going to drive home the point that these gifts are given by God. They're not something that you conjured up yourself. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given to you. If you're a believer in this room, God has given you a measure of faith. This is teaching. Just as each of us has one body with many members. That's true for every single one of you in this room. You've got one body and it's got many parts to it, many members to it. Some of those members are working real good and some of them are not working so good. Some of you, you're getting older and sorer and you know you're walking with with the assistance and you know the bones are creaking or whatever, but you've got one body and it's got many parts to it and we all have that in common. We can all relate to that. And these members do not all have the same function. So, you know, they're they're all doing different things. And if you study the human body, the deeper that you study it, and the more that you look at it, the more you see the detail and the ridiculous complexity in the design of the human bodies. These These members do not have the same function. So in Christ, this is his illustration, we who are many form one body. So the church community is like a physical human body. Diverse function, but we all form this one body of Christ. Remember, the church is not a building. It's not a place. It is a people. It's not a hierarchy. It's not policy. It's not structure. It's not organization. It's organism. It's alive. It is the community of faith, the people, the gathering of the people, okay? Each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace. There it is again, God has given to us. And here he lists these gifts. And you can, you can hear um, another angle on this in another series that I did called Gifted. It's uh, also on our website, Facebook, a couple of months ago. Here's the gift list. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Now, when the Bible uses this word prophecy here, it's talking about a person who is able to perceive, detect. They got a kind of a spiritual sniffer and they, they are able to declare things on behalf of God and speak, as it were, on behalf of God. Very little of prophecy in the Bible is predictive. There is certainly a chunk that is predictive, but most of prophecy that you see in the Bible is people making an attempt to speak on behalf of God and speak the mind and the heart of God in a given situation. Again, you do have some predictive stuff in there for sure, but the bulk of prophecy, if you go by the Bible, is speaking on behalf of God and proclaiming his very heart. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, 
and this is the most common gift in the church today, the gift of service, the people who are pressing the buttons on the console have that gift, the people who are serving in kids ministry this morning have that gift, the people who are out in the foyer who are helping over there and serving, that is a very, very common gift in the church today and extremely valuable, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, or in some translations, exhorting, let him encourage, let him exhort. So there are people in the church and you're just around them and you feel lighter. You just want to be around them. You just want to talk to them because they, it's like they blow wind in your soul. And you, you, you start talking to them and you're kind of discouraged. And then you finish the conversation and it's like, what happened? Why do I not feel the same discouragement? M maybe it was something with that person. You know, I've done many, many, probably into hundreds of hospital visits over my ministry. And uh, there are some people who I visited and they are... They are not well. Like I visited people who were dying and I left the hospital encouraged. I was supposed to encourage them and, and they put me to shame and encouraged me. And they were, they were moving toward the end of their lives and yet they had this kind of encouragement thing in their life and they're able to encourage even though they were in a very, very uh, uh, bad state at that time in their life. If it is encouraging, let them encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, then let him, let her give generously. These, these are people who give and they give silently, they give materially, they give financially, they give of their time and very, very few people know about it, but they make a huge impact in the kingdom of God because of their generosity. I am thinking of a handful of people in this church and one person who, who uh, is connected to us online very rarely attends in person and extremely obvious gifts of generosity who pour in material uh, uh, blessings into this church and finances into this church. If you knew the amounts, you would be shocked. But that's because these people are extremely, extremely generous and they have that gift of contributing to the needs of others. If it, uh, it, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, then show it cheerfully. There are people in, the, in, in, in life and they, they have an ability. They're like magnets to those who are on the margins. And those who people push aside and those who uh, people who are forgotten, people with gifts of mercy are able to to connect with them, to to bless them, to be with them, to comfort them because they have that gift. They're 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 able to lift up the downtrodden and those who have been pushed off by society and culture. This is a list of seven only seven spiritual gifts that Paul addresses here and then he finishes and he says love must be sincere hate what is evil and cling to what is good be devoted to one another in love so he's addressing this church and he's trying to tell them God by his grace has thrown these gifts at you 
He has given them to you. They are gifts to you. And there's a few little lessons in there. There's that idea of grace. That means God gives you something that you do not deserve. You see diversity in there. So there's a variety of gifts that are listed here. I mean, you go from something like prophesying to something like leadership. There's a difference. There's variety. There's, it's, it's not cookie cutter, you know, uh, uh, people that God wants to make. I was volunteering uh, this week, or sorry, working this week at my, my little second job there at, the, at Mission Nouvelle Génération, and uh, they have tons of people that volunteer there during the week, and I ran into three uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints guys, or what, they, what we sometimes call Mormons. You ever met any Mormons before? One thing you'll notice about Mormons, especially Mormon males, they all look the same. Their haircut is the same. They got the same badge on. They wear the same kind of clothes. And uh, I, I don't mean to speak disrespectfully of Mormonism, but Mormonism is an aberration of the historic Christian faith. And you will see in aberrations of Christianity, cookie cutter likeness. So every Mormon looks the same. Every Jehovah's Witness looks the same. They get the same black bag. They get the same spiel when they come to your door on Saturday mornings, right? It's cookie cutter. This is not the way that, that God works. God works in diversity. He does not want every person being exactly the same. He does not clone people. He uses people. He hardwires people in all kinds of crazy ways sometimes, in all kinds of strange ways sometimes, okay? So he is not, he, he is not trying to photocopy you, okay? So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to go through this little questionnaire. You have plenty of time to do it, and we probably need the lights on. Can you see in the dark? No, okay, <laughs> probably not. It's a bad question. Okay, so what we're going to do is turn on the lights uh, and have a little bit of fun with you here. And of course, my keys are, ah, they're here. So just take a 30-second little break while I go and turn these lights on, okay? I'll keep talking. Probably you can hear me. Can you see now? All right, okay. So I've never done this in a, on a Sunday morning before, but I'm about to try, okay? So if you all have a pencil and this little quiz here, you are about to discover your spiritual gifts. You say, well, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. This will probably work on you even if you are not. And uh, the hardened atheist in the room or who's watching, this will probably still work on you because again, the thumbprint of God is on your life whether you like it or not. So what you've got to do with this is you've got to actually be honest in your answer. Uh, if you don't have one yet, yeah, go out into the foyer and they'll be on the table there. But you have to be honest. There's no wrong answers here. You just have to be honest in the way that you're answering. You do not have to hand it in. You're not being graded on it, okay? Uh, but uh, you will find this at the end. You will probably say to yourself, yeah, I had a feeling that that was true. But this just helps me to confirm that. Just, this just helps me to understand it in a greater way, okay? And again, I have done this 30 plus times probably with people. I've never met one person who has less than two of these gifts, okay? And I'll explain to you how to determine that at the end. But basically, for each question, you're going to put a one, a two, a three, or a four next to it. 
So number one means no desire toward it at all, whatever the it is. Number two, almost never true. Number three, it's sometimes true in my life. And number four, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's me. That's, that's the way that I am, almost always true. You say, well, I'm not sure. I'm, not, I'm still trying to figure myself out. They ask you enough questions that you will, this will be a helpful, helpful tool for you, okay? So are you ready? Any questions? You sure? Everybody has one who wants one? If you don't want one, that's okay. You can, you can do it later. You can do it online, whatever. This will work with any age as long as you're able to understand these questions, okay? So question number one, I am able to sense the direction God desires for his people to move and, to, and I share it with others, all right? I am able to sense the direction God desires for his people. It's pretty profound to move and share it with others. All right, one, two, three, four. No desire toward that at all. Or number four, that's almost always true. No, you're not arrogant if you answer almost always true. Just be honest in your answers, okay? Number two, I enjoy pitching in on service projects in the church. I enjoy pitching in on service projects in the church is no desire toward it at all or is that almost always true number three i'm able to organize my thinking in such a way as to systematically present a bible lesson to others you're probably as you're going through said i think i know what gift that's referring to actually and you'll see at the end okay but you're probably your your brain is probably rolling at this point number four People, people often come to me with their personal problems for counsel. So it's like you have a little target on your back and all the people with problems mysteriously gravitate to you. That's the way that you feel. It's like I didn't ask for this, but people come to me when they have problems and I didn't necessarily sign up for that, but it keeps happening over and over again. Number five. I enjoy giving to those in serious financial need. So it's not a drudgery for you, you like it. When you see a financial need, you actually like giving money to it <laughs> or giving some kind of material thing to it. It excites you to, to do that, okay? I enjoy giving to those in serious financial need. Number six, people seem to respect me and follow my lead. Again, not I wish people would respect me and follow my lead, my lead, but you actually find that. You find, yeah, there are people who seem to respect me and they seem to naturally follow my lead. Am I going too fast for you? Everything okay? Okay. N number seven, stop me if I'm going too fast or if you have a question, I don't mind. Number seven, I have a tender heart toward the needy and will often do what I can to help those who are in distress. Again, those of you watching online, you can go to our homepage, citypointchurch.ca, download this thing, and you can do it even uh, as, as we speak here, so you can feel a part of it. All right, uh, number eight, I speak up for what is biblically right, even when people think I'm narrow-minded and oppose uh, have opposed principles. That's what it's trying to say. So I speak up for what is biblically right, even when people think I'm narrow-minded and they may oppose those principles. Okay? You may wonder what that gift is. Uh, number nine, 
I usually volunteer to help with tasks that need to be done. No trouble for you, volunteer, yeah, uh, no problem, I actually like doing it. Is that no desire, almost true, sometimes true, all, almost always true. All right, uh, where am I? Number 10, I enjoy diligent study so as to accurately teach the word. <laughs> Some of you say I'm the opposite. <laughs> That's okay. Some of you, it's right in your wheelhouse. I enjoy diligent study so as to accurately teach the word. Number 11, I enjoy encouraging those who are discouraged and downhearted. You like it. You get a, it, it makes you happy, makes you feel fulfilled when you do that. Number 12, I cheerfully give well above a tithe to the work of the Lord. That's fancy Christian language. A tithe means a tenth. So uh, this person says, I give more than a tenth of my income to the work of the Lord. That's again, fancy Christian language, but it means they give to their church and they have no trouble giving to their church more than a tenth of what they earn. Okay, uh, number 13, you say, am I supposed to give a tenth of what I earn? That's a subject for another day, okay? <laughs> so uh, 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 where am I? Number, number 13, I am good at setting goals and seeing the direction a group of people should take. Okay, you're still tracking with me? Yeah, I'm, I'm really, wow, you all got your heads in the page, that's great. Okay, number 14, I enjoy visiting the sick and shut in. Shut in means a person can't go out, they're stuck in their house. I enjoy visiting the sick and shut in. Some people can't stand it. They can't stand hospital rooms, that's the last place they want to be. They have real difficulty being around sick people. This person here, they like it. They like hospital rooms. They like visiting people who are not well. Okay, not saying it's weird, just what it is. Number 15, I feel compelled to communicate God's message from the word, that's the Bible, so people, who, uh, people know what God expects of them. I want to communicate God's message from the Bible so people know what God wants from them. Number 16, I am willing to work at a task regardless of how simple or trivial it may seem. Doesn't matter, it could be the most mundane thing. I like it. I will work that task regardless. Number 17, we're halfway through. Number 17, others comment on how much they have enjoyed, learned, or grown under my teaching. Ding, 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 ding. That's a clue <laughs> for the spiritual gift, whatever spiritual gift is talking about. Others comment on how much they have enjoyed, learned, or grown under my teaching. So it's not that you think you can teach, it's that other people think you can teach. You ever seen American Idol? people get up there and they think they can sing and then they, they, they flop terribly okay so this is not a person who thinks they can teach this is a person who other people think that they can teach number 18 i often challenge others to reach their potential in christ i often challenge others to reach their potential in christ number 19 i am known for my generosity and sometimes sacrificial giving there are some people in the book of acts in the bible's new testament who are like this they had a reputation not necessarily one that they wanted 
but there's people who sold their property and gave it to the new church in the book of Acts. They had a reputation. Question number 20. I am able to guide and motivate people to join in the achievement of my goals. Number 21. I tend to look out for those who are neglected and those who are alienated. Almost done. You're doing beautifully. Number 22. I am not afraid to announce God's judgment on sin. Woo! That's strong. But maybe that's you. I am not afraid to announce God's judgment on sin. Just be honest and you'll see at the end. Number 23, I feel a sense of satisfaction in seeing a job through to completion. You really feel a sense of fulfillment. Thing got done, it got done well, and it's like, wow, this is like, you're so passionate about that. Number 24, I am able to thoroughly study scripture, that's the Bible, and share my finding with others. Number 25, I make myself available to talk with others. Number 26, I often give anonymously to those in need. I am thinking of a lady as I read that, and uh, she is like that and continues to be like that, and um, stunning the way that she had, had done that. Uh, totally anonymous, sometimes thousands and thousands of dollars, doesn't want to be known. Number 27, if in a group where there is no leader, I assume leadership. Looking for a leader? Here I am. Number 28, I empathize with those who are embarrassed and humiliated and seek to comfort them. Number 29, I speak boldly and with conviction what I believe God wants people to know. Number 30, only five more after this, I am very dependable for getting things done. Number 31, I am able to make the Bible clear and relevant for others. You're probably picking up the pattern already here. Number 32, I encourage others to go on with the Lord. Encourage them. Number 33, I'm willing to lower my standard of living in order to help out. Wow. Number 34, I am a goal setter. And number 35, I like to spend time with those who are lonely and hurting to cheer them. Okay, 35 simple questions. Now, if you flip to the next page, you're going to see the little response sheet. Are you there? Some of you, you've already done it. <laughs> okay, so what you've got to do is you've got to add your answers for each of those questions going across the board there. So... For example, uh, the first row there, question number one, question number eight, question number 15, question number 22, and question number 29. Just write your little answers in there, add them up, and put the total. Okay? It'll work if you've answered every single question. If you haven't answered every single question, you have to because it'll skew your results. So you just have to add that up there. So 1, 8, 15, 22, and 29, that's one of the spiritual gifts. Then 2, 9, 16, 23, 30, that's another, and so on. 
Okay. Feel like I'm in I'm back in grade school here. Didn't used to be like this. Now there are so many of these surveys that you can get uh, online. This particular one, I scrounged around and found it because it matched something that I taught many times. Uh, and it's very, very well done. But there are, there are dozens of these things now, all for free. Um, and it just helps you to see yourself from a little bit of a different angle from the outside in, as it were. This should not be a massive surprise to you. I think probably you, when you see the results, you'd be, oh, okay, yeah, I, I, I get that, I see that. Not so sure I'm happy about it, but I get that, I see that. Okay, your reaction may be, may be you know, uh, surprise only in the sense that, okay, now I have an independent source confirming what I already thought about myself, all right? So that's what these, these surveys are helpful for and these tools are helpful. Uh, in this way, I remember when I wanted to plant a church, I got analyzed and surveyed and oh, psychoanalyzed by so many different groups. You know, can he make it? Is he going to? I felt like a voodoo doll. It put so many pins in me to figure out whether or not I was a church planter. Okay, now then, do you still need more time? Raise your hand if you're finished. Raise your hand if you're finished. Raise your hand if you're just like, I'm in a fog, it was too fast, I, need, I have a question. You're okay? You ready? For, I'll go, th go through the next part of this. Okay, so letter A there, questions number 1, 8, 15, 22, and 29, that is the gift of prophecy as per that list. No, this is not I predict the future. <laughs> it's not I predict the future. This is I am able to to discern the, 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 the mind of God, the heart of God, and I like to proclaim that to other people. And, you know, sometimes people who write books have this, sometimes preachers have it, sometimes just individuals have it. And when they say something about God to somebody else or write something or sing something sometimes, it's like people just kind of, they just swallow, like they're just kind of stunned by it because it's, it's so different, it's so unique, it's, and they have a sense that, wow, that, that really sounds like something that's quite true. Okay, that is the, that is the prophet, the discerner. They can sniff the, 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 the heart of God and proclaim it to people, okay? Very, very valuable gift in the church, all of these are. Okay, letter B, that's service. Two plus nine plus 16 plus 23 plus 30. Oh, by the way, you want to know if you're gifted? Uh, you see, so you got um, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, so if you are anywhere above 15 for any of these seven, above the number 15, that is a strong, strong likelihood that you are gifted in that area. Very strong. If you're 20, that's perfect. That means you should have absolutely no doubt because you've been asked the question five times and you answered it four on four five different ways, okay? Anything over 15, you have, there's a strong, strong likelihood that you are gifted in that area. So you've got 15. In letter A, you most likely are gifted in the area of prophecy, okay? You say, do I believe in modern day prophets? Absolutely, yeah. In that sense, for sure. And even in the predictive sense, that does on occasion happen, but you can't test for it. 
Okay, uh, letter B is service. Many of you, probably more than 50% of you in this room have that gift. All right, so if you're over 15, you have it. That's 2 plus 9 plus 16 plus 23 plus 30. Man, you, I'm trying to read your, your faces. Like, do any of you have over 15 in anything? Whoa, okay. Okay, are there any 20s in anything? Any 20s? Okay, we've got a 20. Yeah, it's not uncommon, okay? You have a 19, all right, okay. So have, do any of you only have one thing over 15? Only one. How many of you have more than one thing over 15? How many of you have more than one over 15? Maybe I asked the question the wrong way. How will I ask this uh, without embarrassing anybody? Let's see. Uh, I don't believe that there's anybody in this room and you're, you're, you don't have over 15 for more than one. If you only have one of these seven over 15, you come and see me at the end because you, you, you must be teetering 14 on a few of them or something. But if it's 15 or over, strong, strong likelihood that you're gifted in that area, okay? Uh, letter C, that's teaching. That's people who they, you, they get up there or they're in a small group or whatever. Or they write a book and they're able to explain the Bible and ding, 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 the light goes on, okay? Uh, that's the gift of teaching. Exhortation or encouragement, again, wind beneath my wings, you know, the Bette Midler, Bette Midler song, wind beneath my wings. Do you remember Bette Midler? Yeah. Okay, wind beneath my wings, yeah, so it just blows encouragement. What's that? Titan, no, no, that's Celine Dion. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, uh, yeah, E, E, uh, E is giving. E is giving, and I know there's, oh, there's like half a dozen people in this church who have that gift, yeah, for which we are all thankful. And all of these gifts are equally valuable. None is better than the other. Remember, God doesn't make cookie-cutter people. Letter F is leadership. Leadership. Very, very, um, uh, again, very necessary, very powerful gift in the church when it is expressed properly, and I'll show you that in a second. And letter G is mercy, mercy, okay? Now, I'm going to do a little survey here differently so that you try not to embarrass anybody. Okay, so if it's, if it's prophecy, raise your hand. Come on, come on, come on. If it's prophecy, raise your hand. Anybody over 15 with prophecy? Time for some honesty. Oh, I, I don't believe, yeah, okay, yeah, there's one, yeah, okay, good. Uh, if, it's, uh, if it's service, raise your hand. Uh-huh, that's what I thought, yeah. If it's teaching, raise your hand, over 15, that's solid, you know for sure. Yeah, over 15, or, or let's say 15 or over, 15 or over, it's teaching, yeah, okay, good. If it's exhortation, 15 or over, raise your hand. Okay, good. If it's giving, 15 or over, raise your hand. Yeah, well, you come and see me at the end. I can facilitate the. Uh, it's a joke. It's a joke. Okay, if it's leadership, raise your hand. 15 or over in leadership? Uh-huh. And if it's mercy, 15 or over, raise your hand? Uh-huh, fascinating. L let me go back to one. Prophecy, 15 or over, raise your hand, please. Be honest. Yeah, typical prophet. Put the hand down like this. Except when they start talking, then you, then you. Okay, so to finish up today, and I won't go through all of this, but you can read this on your own. 
Each of these gifts, listen to me closely, because this is rarely, rarely taught, if at all, in churches today. Each of this, these gifts has its own strength and weakness. You better learn this, because some people, they, they figure out what their gift is, they start using their gift, and then they're frustrated because like people are upset, people are offended, people are not reacting the way that they, they don't understand what's going on, and that's because you have to learn how to use it. It's not just, well, poof, you know, and it, and it works well every time. No, you have to learn how to use it. You have to learn the strengths and the pitfalls of each one of those gifts. So prophecy, and I love the way this material does it because it uses like different parts of the body. So prophecy, they talk with, uh, they use the term eyes. And so the strengths of the prophet, they can see to the heart of the issue. They're motivated to reveal the truth. They're concerned with revealing a person's motives. They have natural discernment. They, can, they, they have a spiritual sniffer. But the problem with prophets is that they can't keep their mouth shut sometimes. When they feel that truth is being twisted, they, they're, um, or hidden, or offended, they usually lack tact. They can be very harsh. They don't always speak the truth in love. They need to learn when to speak and who to speak to. So, you know, uh, a classic prophet in the scripture, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was, woo, I mean, he, he was very direct. And he lost his life due to that directness, but he was an incredibly effective and powerful prophet. So service, the gift of service or ministry, they, in strengths, they can see what need, uh, they can see tasks that need to be done. They're always ready to serve. No task is too small. That's great. But their motives are often misunderstood. They can be easily offended if they're not appreciated. They can look down their noses at those who don't see others' needs. They're not able to say no. They can isolate themselves. They don't receive as well as they give. You see, there's a strength and a weakness to each one of these gifts. Teachers can be boring, okay? Uh, they, they can be, come across as very, very arrogant, Okay, I, I am a teacher, but sometimes people fall asleep in my sermons, okay, because teachers can be boring. Encouragers, they're not easily discouraged. Yes, they're on top of any situation, yes, but they often won't let you grieve. They often can lack empathy. They often view things as mind over matter. They often can ignore the work of the Holy Spirit. They can talk a lot. They can uh, uh, be proud in motivational skills. They can overload uh, um, they get an overload of people and they drown themselves with all these people coming to them. They're offended if their counsel is not taken, okay? Each one has a strength and a weakness. The giver, they're motivated to make money. They like making money because they like giving it away. They like to give. They're generous. They're caring. They're resourceful. But they, if they're not careful, they can become a hoarder. They can give away too much. They can neglect themselves. They can be offended if you don't take their advice on money. Uh, you know, they can, they can use money to control if they're not careful. Because Gavin's a leader. He has found a solution. Oh, he, there he is. Yeah, okay. 
And it should be coming through Mevo for all the people online. See if you've got bars there. Yes, sir. Thank you for solving the problem. Um, so leadership, yeah, but they can they they can be manipulative. They can be controlling. They can dominate. They got got to be careful of that. And people who have the gift of mercy, they can be compassionate. They can be empathetic, but they can also be blind to others' faults. Okay, so read those strengths and weaknesses and pitfalls and how to do it right. And you see various role models that you can find in the Bible to see all these gifts in action, Old Testament, New Testament. They're all over the place. The point of all of this is that God put you here for a reason. And this is just eight verses out of the Bible. And I don't believe there's one person in this room or watching online who has less than one of these spiritual gifts. And there's like four different lists. There's like 20 plus spiritual gifts that are listed in the Bible. And those are just those are by no means meant to be an exclusive list. They're not meant to be put in a box. The whole point is God put you here for a reason. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to take that gift? Are you going to start using it? Are you going to start unwrapping it? Are you going to use it for your community of faith here in the church, but even beyond in, in the broader community? Like some people, they're so stuck in the church, they're never outside in the world, in the unbelieving world. That's where God wants you to use your gifts as well. How are you supposed to reach people if you're not outside the walls of the church? But he has given you those gifts because he has a plan and he has a very distinct plan for each one of our lives, a razor sharp plan he has for you. And when you start to actually use those gifts, you will have a sense of thrill and fulfillment because you're walking in the very steps that God has planned for you. But you have to you have to realize that it's very practical stuff. You, you may be busy as a beaver. You're trying to make ends meet. You're trying to work a job and a half. You're trying to take care of 2.75 kids and, you know, your mortgage and your car and your this and your that. You say, I've got no time for spiritual gifts. Absolutely you do. You're using them all the time. You should be. You should be out in your job and you should be using them. You should be in your family. You should be using them. They're by no means restricted to, to simple usage in the church. They're part of your wiring and your everyday life. Regardless of how busy you are, you should be about the business of using the gifts that God gave you. When you get a present for your birthday or for Christmas, do you keep the wrapping on? I mean, even if you can't stand the person who gave it to you, you might well say, oh, thank you, Merry Christmas, and, you know, not open it in front of them. But when they're out of the room, even if you ate that person's guts, you know, you're, you're still going to open that gift because maybe they gave you something good that you can use. I mean, and here you have God who loves you with an everlasting love and has given you more than one of these gifts. Unwrap it. Start using it and start to see your life fulfilled and start to see the plan of God unfold in your lives. Would you